Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, my friends, and welcome to this, another episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. My name is Josh Norris. Thank you so much for being here, because today we have a great show. You know, we've spent the last few episodes really dialing in specifically on certain players and tiers. So we wanted to zoom out today, take a big picture look at fantasy drafts, give you seven tips or strategies or mindsets, ways to view your drafts this season. We'll discuss why it's advantageous to wait on quarterbacks into the later rounds. Again, we'll talk about stacking and why that might work out for you to win your league. We have Denny Carter on the show to discuss zero running backs, why he believes it's so beneficial. We'll also talk about early season schedules and if that should be a factor in choosing players. Hayden then goes deep into how much we should factor in how a team reacts in neutral and negative game scripts. And we'll close with running back insurance. Those players who are number two in their backfields and if they are worth investing in. A couple things before we get there. One, thanks to everyone who's been leaving five-star reviews. I'm talking to you, CHF, Fonz512, Trent Williamson. Really appreciate you. And I want to reiterate that Roto World has the best value out there in fantasy football this summer. RotoWorld.com slash edge. Get everything. Cheat sheet, draft guide, rankings, tiers, custom scoring just for your league that you can enter numerical values on a new feature just went up leveraging the default rankings on all the platforms if you play on espn or yahoo or cbs or nfl players are ranked wildly off and we highlight the ones that are undervalued for you again it's ten dollars for a single month or four dollars per month if you buy annually and if you do go the annual route enter promo code fbpod10 to get ten dollars off again it's the best deal in fantasy sports this summer all right let's get this started with Hayden Winks once again hammering home why it is vital to wait on quarterbacks until your later rounds. Well, historically, if you look at where quarterbacks finished and where they were drafted, the drop-off is pretty flat. That means like the quarterback 7 and the quarterback 17, there's not that big of a difference. And that's probably because the quarterbacks throw the ball 30 times each. So there's not going to be that much fluctuation because most quarterbacks are, are pretty even. And then there's also the, the thing where you can be streaming quarterbacks if your league has waiver wires. You can just find quarterbacks who are startable guys in good matchups and start them over like the quarterback nine on the year. So that's why we want to be waiting on quarterbacks and be drafting running backs, receivers, uh, positions that there's like a big gap between somebody that's good and somebody that's bad. The uh, the opportunity cost of um, you know taking a, a quarterback early is uh, tremendous in you know one quarterback leagues particularly. 
uh, you know, I'm not saying that I refuse to draft Mahomes or Jackson uh, anywhere that they may fall because, you know, everybody is a value sometimes. So if they fall well below their ADPs, then I, I absolutely will will consider just grabbing them uh, and, and just ha- having that position set, having the quarterback spot set. But, uh, you know, everything Hayden said rings true. Um, no matter what kind of, you know, traditional league you're in, where you can find five, six, seven, sometimes even more decent starting quarterbacks on the waiver wire week in and, and week out. Um, you will find that even people who, who spend a mid round pick on quarterback end up working the waiver wire uh, looking for better options because they are out there. And this is an absolutely dominant strategy. I think in people's home leagues, it's a little different in our industry leagues because people just wait way too long and quarterback in some situations. Um, but I think what have been the dominant teams in recent years in your leagues at home have been the ones that waited until, you know, quarterback 12 to draft Patrick Mahomes two years ago or mm-hmm. last season, the quarterback 15 to draft that Lamar Jackson. Now, guys, I'm not so sure if there is one name that we can kind of captain planet here and unite as one that we can come together and think of outside of that quarterback 10 mark and be like, oh, yeah, this is going to be the key to winning your fantasy drafts. Denny, is there one that you keep going to that is outside of that quarterback 10 range? Well, anybody, I mean, just generally, uh, if I'm going for uh, like an upside late round quarterback play, uh, I want that quarterback to give me rushing uh, production, you know, because it's, uh, as we've seen many times, it's such a cheat code uh, in fantasy football to get that sort of rushing uh, production, both point, uh, both yards and touchdowns um, from your late round guy. You know, Josh Allen was that last year. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know if Tyrod Taylor is going to hold on to the job all year. I, I kind of doubt it. Um, but we've seen, you know, time and time again, how valuable uh, his rushing production can be in fantasy. So uh, he's, he's someone I really don't mind late in drafts. I think Joe Burrow is also a guy who probably will, will rush more than maybe people think uh, this year. And, uh, and then Gardner Minshew uh, is not someone who is afraid to leave the pocket and scramble uh, uh, Pat Thorman on Twitter today had a great uh, stat about how he actually scrambled Minshew scrambled more often than Lamar Jackson last season. Uh, so th- those are three guys. Um, I just, you know, find myself getting a lot you know, late in drafts. I'm definitely going to second the Joe Burrow thing. If, if he averaged like 39 rushing yards at LSU last year, if you, if you remove his negative uh, sack yardage totals, the other thing I want to talk about is just maybe there's an exception with Mahomes and Lamar Jackson just because they are totally different types of quarterbacks. We've seen the rushing floor, and, and Mahomes just might just be a totally different type of passer. The one thing is I'm not going to reach on them in the second round, but if it's the third round and I've already drafted one of their teammates, then I'm starting to get a little more interested. There's kind of a drop-off in the third round this year. So if, if I've drafted Travis Kelsey and then Patrick Mahomes is there late in the third round, that's kind of the exception I'm willing to take. I'm not going to reach on Dak Prescott, who I love in the fourth round. Maybe I take Dak Prescott in the sixth round if I've already drafted Omari Cooper or Michael Gallup. So that's the only the only times I'm going to be drafting one of these top six guys is if I've already drafted one of their teammates. And there are other quarterbacks to love, too. I mean, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, and they're going in that sixth, seventh round in a lot of platforms as well. So it kind of just is an area – that I tend to avoid, unfortunately, because, again, we've ranked all those quarterbacks so highly. Yet, going back to your initial point, Hayden, like you're bypassing up someone like Aaron Jones or bypassing up someone 
like DJ Chark. And instead, uh, if you take a quarterback that early, then you're that's basically trading Jarvis Landry for DJ Chark or Jarvis Landry for Chris Godwin. And I would much rather be on that Chris Godwin, DJ Chark side of that equation as well. Okay, let's go to our next tip to win your fantasy draft. That is stacking. We have an uh, entire episode dedicated to stacking. So go back on the Rotor Road Football Podcast feed to check that out. But Hayden, going back to you here, why should people factor in stacking? Why should it intrigue them? Because, you know, I think some might be a little nervous to have that much confidence and that much exposure to one single team and instead want to spread the wealth as much as possible. Yeah, the the thing is, we are trying to come in first place in our leagues. We do not care if we come in eighth place. No one remembers the third place team or the fourth place team. Everyone's trying to get first place. So what stacking does is it creates correlation. And basically what I mean is if you draft a a wide receiver, for example, in the third round, that means you think his quarterback at least has to be like somewhat good. So if you if you see that quarterback laying around in the 11th round, pairing him is advantageous because you've already been betting on that offense being good by drafting the wide receiver earlier. So you just want to be pairing a wide receiver with a quarterback, a tight end. I love pairing a tight end with my quarterback because it's kind of uh, two touchdown dependent positions, but you just want one or two pieces uh, attached to the quarterback if possible. And this is uh, especially so the larger your league settings are. So like some of these best ball tournaments were like competing against thousands of, of teams. You have to have players from the same offenses um and maybe if you're in a 12 team a 14 team home league you definitely want to be stacking some guys and less so if you're in like an 18 league hayden is is spot on uh it increases some it gives you some volatility and volatility can be really good in fantasy you know um no one wants to finish in the middle of their league and and i tend to embrace draft strategies that will either put me near the bottom or hopefully (laughs) near, near near the top uh so so yeah, I mean, uh, stacking. I think stacking can work. It has worked, and uh, there are cheap ways to stack players in fantasy leagues as well. I mean, uh, it, it makes sense, obviously, if you get a, a top wide receiver uh, to stack him with his quarterback. Uh, it makes all the sense in the world. Um, but there are are several, I think, very cheap stacking options that could pay off this year, including uh, you know someone like Teddy Bridgewater and DJ Moore. Uh, you have, um, this is not super cheap, but, uh, Juju and Ben Roethlisberger, I think is, is a really good one. Uh, and then, uh, Matt Stafford and Marvin Jones, you know, Marvin Jones is still, uh, very, uh, cheap, relatively cheap in leagues. Uh, those are, those are three stacks that I think just, they don't cost a lot of draft capital. Um, but I believe they come with a lot of upside. Let me double down on that Steelers one because Ben Roethlisberger is going as the quarterback 18. Juju is the wide receiver 12 when last year he was going as a top 10 wide receiver. Deontay Johnson, the wide receiver 36. Heck, Hayden, I'll go all the way down to like James Washington as the wide receiver 78 in a lot of places. Eric Ebron, who they added kind of under the radar this offseason uh, to work the middle of the field as a tight end 22. And Hayden, you also know that like the Philadelphia Eagles have just had my heart this offseason basically because I think their entire offense is, is underpriced other than Miles Sanders and Zach Ertz. And that means I'm going after Carson Wentz as the quarterback nine, Jalen Rager as the wide receiver 45, and Deshaun Jackson as the wide receiver 55. Both of those fit the weight on quarterback, and then you don't have to prioritize a top two or three round pick at wide receiver, tight end, or running back to complete those stacks. And three pieces. I'm totally fine with with a three-piece stack. Let's put it that way. That's right. Yeah, a little three-piece nugget. Uh, 
And uh, the, one of the nuggets could be a running back too. You're, you're betting on offenses here with the stack. It's not just, just the uh, wide receiver uh, catching a pass from a quarterback. If the quarterback has thrown for three touchdowns, that means they're in positive game scripts. That's setting up the running back to have excess carries down the stretch. So bet on offenses. And going back to your first point about sacks, like let's say you're at the 106 or the 107, you land Clyde Edwards Hilaire in that first round. Then somehow, somehow in your league at home, Travis Kelsey makes it all the way back to the middle of that second round. Um, and that's when you should reach for Patrick Mahomes in the third round if he's still on the board, right? Um, that three person sack to start your season uh, and start your draft, I mean, I don't know how you lose in that scenario. Uh, okay. Automatic championship. Oh, just. just <laughs> Bypass. Do not pass go. Okay. Let's now move over to a section of the draft, which I think it seems like every single year there's strengths to drafts, right? And this year, to me, it's the wide receivers in rounds three through six. I mean, your Kenny Galladay's, your Allen Robinson's, your DJ Moore's, your Mike Evans, and that goes all the way to the group of DK Metcalf, DJ Chark, Cortland Sutton, Keenan Allen, Tyler Lockett, even past that, like Michael Gallup. And Will Fuller, Hayden, I know basically your entire offseason strategy has been to attack this group. Yeah, definitely. Earlier in the offseason, I had uh, a, a couple pieces looking at historical ADPs. And then I looked at does zero running back work. And we'll get into that in a second. But the main points here is I looked at average fantasy points between running backs and receivers. And then I looked at the win rates. And a win rate is basically how often you win your league on average based on like where you're drafting these players. So with running backs versus receivers, the gap between them is the widest between picks like 25th overall and 75th overall. That's about the round three through round six, round seven of your league. And because the gap is widest there, that's when you want to be attacking wide receivers over the running backs in that range. And just just to put a bow on this, the teams who've drafted their third receiver in rounds four or five, their win rates about 9.5%, which kind of seems small, but that's, that's actually pretty significant. Teams that draft their third receiver in the seventh round or later, that win rate drops uh, down to like 6.8%. So that's a pretty wide gap just based off of where you're drafting your third receiver. So the, the rule I've just been applying this year is if you don't have your fourth receiver by round seven, you're basically donating your money. So prioritize <laughs> – your uh, receivers early, the, the I mean, grab four of them, grab five of them within the first eight rounds, and then we can attack some of these zero RB candidates that we'll get to you in a second later in the draft to kind of round out your roster. Denny, are you donating money this offseason? <laughs> uh, no, no. I, I mean, I usually have my fourth wide receiver in the fourth round. So that's right, it. Right, uh, right. But, but I, no, I, I think that, you know, uh, zero RB, you know, just, just to preface this, this conversation, because I think it's important. Uh, is most viable, I think, when you're talking about PPR leagues where you can start up to four wide receivers in, in your lineup. Um, you know, there's there's really no reason to approach a draft uh, from a zero RB standpoint if you can only start two or three wide receivers and it's not uh, a PPR. I think you're right about those receivers in the middle rounds, or not really middle, but that three at uh, rounds three to six or seven. Um, I think, you know, a guy like, you know, Sutton, Galladay, Chark, I, those guys certainly have uh, big seasons in their range of outcomes, you know, um, potentially monster seasons and, and, and uh, definitely uh, big volume seasons for, for all three of those guys potentially. So uh, I, I don't mind that approach at all. And, and I, I end up getting, you know, those guys uh, even in a zero RB approach. Uh, the, the gap that Hayden talked about 
it is real and it's concerning uh, when you find yourself in rounds, you know, five, six, seven, eight, looking for a running back. I, I, I do, okay, you know, I will pluck a running back from those rounds sometimes. Uh, but, you know, getting down to the, the, the lower rounds, double digit rounds and getting zero RB candidates from there, I think uh, can that can give you the upside, uh, the, the kind of winning upside for, for that kind of roster. Yeah, we often talk about how quarterback has never been deeper in fantasy football. I would advocate that wide receiver potentially has never been deeper just because the volume that the league is having now passing that technically second wide receivers on teams, even third wide receiver teams are seeing a boatload of targets, like 80 something targets. So the volume is definitely there for like even three, once again, wide receivers on a single team to be fantasy viable. Denny, let's transition over to zero running back. I'm so glad we have you on here because this is a statement that has worked in the past. Definitely a strategy that has worked in the past for a lot of drafters has somehow transitioned into a bit of a meme at times this offseason. <laughs> but I know, at least for me, when I'm comfortable in drafts, it's because I get two workhorse featured backs at the top, you know, a Dalvin Cook and an Austin Eckler a Miles Sanders and a Nick Chubb potentially, right? <laughs> because then when I drop all the way down to round eight where your Jordan Howards are going or your, I mean, even freaking Tariq Cohen is going in the eighth round. Like I want nothing to do with those names. So I want you to tell me potentially why I'm wrong and why I shouldn't be embracing zero running back and waiting on the position even more. I see where you're going with the fact that there's more pass volume, uh, that there are a lot of potentially high volume wide receivers available in the third, fourth, fifth round, like I just said, you know, um, <laughs> so, so I, I, I certainly acknowledge that. I will say that data says that historically we're not very good at identifying um, upside r- wide receivers in that range. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, so, so that, that could be an issue uh, even if, you know, we believe, and I, I include myself in this too, you know, uh, that, that, oh, th- well, this guy, this wide receiver is being vastly undervalued, you know, more often than not, we're, we're wrong about that. Like we end up not being correct on who will emerge from that, from that area. But, you know, I think in, in the approach that you're talking about taking, you know, one or two running backs to, to start off, it definitely makes you feel more comfortable. Like, like I sometimes want, that comfort, you know, I, I, I want that little, that warm blanket, you know, to, to say, I got my, my high volume running backs. I feel, I feel good. I feel okay about myself. Uh, but I find that when you, when you leave a draft with a bunch of wide receivers that you can start on any given week, um, you know, when your wide receiver four is the, it would be someone else's wide receiver two. Uh, I think that you leave the draft not feeling comfortable, but knowing that this team might have uh, some pop. Hayden, Denny basically just called us the Linus of this peanuts world, just trying to <laughs> carry around our, wow. our our blanket this this entire time. What's your thoughts on this thing? Because I know that you're with me where, again, it's like that pillow we can lean our head against, where we know mm-hmm. we've got the running back position taken care of, and I don't have to worry about the Daryl Hendersons of the world. Well, I'm, I'm kind of like in the middle of both. I believe in all of these like zero RB theories, like the volatility, you want to take advantage of that. And there's no position that has more volatility than running backs because the injury rates are higher. And the, when a first round running back gets injured, a backup running back is now vaulted into like the top 15 overall running backs. 
if a first round receiver gets injured, Russell Gage is not becoming a top 15 receiver. So you want to take advantage of that. So I think when I, when I was doing my research here, I've came out with a strategy. I'm calling it bimodal RB. Who cares what I call it? Basically draft two running backs early or one running back early and stop drafting running backs. Like people refuse to log off. You have to log off. Stop drafting all these running backs in the third, fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth round and keep pounding it. Draft two, you're betting on those guys staying healthy. If one of them gets hurt, guess what? You lost. But you have to try to win. If you draft two of them, stop drafting them, and then draft the zero RB guys, you're putting yourself in a position where if if you are right with those first two running backs, definitely not granted, and you hit on some of these zero RB guys, all of a sudden you have a completely stacked roster. So I'm okay with drafting a running back, most likely two running backs in the first two rounds, but then you have to stop drafting him. Like you have to wait until like the 11th, 12th, 13th round. And I, I think the biggest thing is people draft two running backs and then they're like, ooh, I kind of like David Montgomery mm-hmm. in round five. Ooh, right. Jordan Howard in round nine. And then, then you've mm-hmm. all, all of a sudden invested too much into the position, draft two, log off, then wait for Darrell Henderson, Chase Edmonds in rounds 12, 13, 14. Yeah, I, I may get kicked out of the church of zero RB for saying this, but uh, I um, oh, to beg for their forgiveness. Uh, but I, I, I don't hate if you have a top four or five pick getting that running back hmm. and then just hammering wide receiver from there on out. You know, uh, maybe, you know, you end up with Kamara, say, uh, and then you you draft four wide receivers in a row, maybe maybe more, honestly, like Hayden, like you're saying. You know, don't be tempted to to say, well, maybe I'll dabble with a, you know, with a David Montgomery. I'll dabble with, you know, this like seemingly high volume guy who actually never does anything with his volume. So uh, I, I don't I don't hate that at all. Yeah. If you get the one on one, you can't just go into your draft being like, no, nah, I'm not taking Christian McCaffrey. Right. It's no. it's it's something at the end of round one where, you know, if you look at. I don't know, Joe Mix, and you're like, I, I don't believe in this Bengals offense, despite how many, you know, good offensive weapons that they have because their offensive line is so poor. Or like if Josh Jacobs there, you just want to buy Pat. Well, I guess tight end would fit in zero running back as well. Um, Denny, let's outline your perfect zero running back strategy. Okay. The perfect zero running back team to start. And I'll nominate a few. Like let's say, I don't know, you're at the seventh overall selection after McCaffrey, Saquon, Zeke. Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Clyde Edwards-Helaire have all gone off the board. And you just you don't want like a running back that doesn't have pass catching volume. There you can take Michael Thomas. Then like round two, Julio Jones. Round three, DJ Moore. Round four, Calvin Ridley. How does that sound? Sounds good. I mean, that sounds excellent. Um, I, I'll take, I will take that. Yeah. So, so, I mean, so you end up with Calvin Ridley as your wide receiver four, which sounds bananas, right? I mean, just, right. just not just in a vacuum that doesn't sound right and it's a it's an enormous luxury and if you can hit on just one maybe two you're set you're good so when we get to your first running back if you do go with four wide receivers to start the likes of Kareem Hunt did that does that pique your interest or one of those rookie running backs and DeAndre Swift and Cam Akers is does that really give you the confidence level of your first running back off the board I don't I don't know about acres uh i just i feel like there's just too much uncertainty that and that uncertainty uncertainty has not been fully incorporated into his adp i don't think um you know i i guess i guess swift swift is fine i mean he he seems to shape up as a guy who 
you know, won't lose touches, uh, you know, won't be game script dependent at all, uh, which, which is a, a, a really nice thing to, to get if you, you know, if you can get a, a running back in the fifth round like that. Um, and then the other guy you mentioned, Akers and Swift, and who else? I think Kareem Hunt or Raheem Moser. I'm just looking kind of in the middle of yeah. that fifth round right. area where, where some running backs are going. Right. Yeah. I mean, Hunt's, Hunt will have uh, standalone value, um, you know, and that's that's important because, you know, zero RB is usually built for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you need somebody to start like you have to get, you have to fill in those running back spots, you know, usually two. Uh, so having a guy like, like Kareem Hunt, who, who's not, he's not going to lead the backfield and carries or in touches. Um, most likely, I guess it's somewhat possible with Chubb's concussion issue right now, but I, yeah, yeah. I think that, that he's a, he's a solid process pick. And then just attack that running back position after week one, after week two, after week three, when all the waiver wire, John Daigle writing that for us this year, uh, comes around. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F 150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I think we've come to a nice, you know, little agreement here with the strategy we have heading. Just in. stop drafting running backs like beyond the first two. Like the whole thing with zero RB is like we're investing too much into a position that has a high bus rate. I I'm okay with uh, t- taking on some of that bus rate in the second round, but I'm done after that. And I think that's kind of where Denny and I align. You you don't want to invest too much, whether it's one, two, or zero early. That doesn't really matter too much. You just can't draft four in the first five rounds. Yeah, I will wait until all the way round nine to get Latavius or round 10 to get Latavius. Like he's my favorite running back three after I invested two early on. All right, let's move on to talk about factoring in early season schedules. It's something John Daigle has talked a lot about this summer. It's something I have like a back and forth with myself, like an internal argument, right? Because one, it factors in, Last year, I think way too much because we see teams drastically change once they start in week one and then drastically change once again in the performance that they showed in week one into week two. I mean, how often like the Cincinnati Bengals last year, like they gave the Seattle Seahawks hell in week one and they shrub like they they shriveled up into like their shell the rest of the season and were just absolutely awful. Um so it's it's one where I understand it if we look at it now and say, Oh yeah, we know exactly what these 
teams are going to be defensively. So we might want to attack like the Buffalo Bills. So have the Jets in week one, Miami in week two, Raiders in week four, Jets again in week seven. That sounds easy, Hayden, but is it something that we can actually put into practice that is successful? Well, I think I think this is you're only factoring in uh, early season schedules if there is a waiver wire. And what I mean by that is you're kind of only doing this for the onesie positions. I mean, quarterbacks, tight ends, defenses and kickers where you're picking up a, a quarterback like your streaming quarterbacks that like we mentioned earlier. You need good matchups. So if you can't pick up and drop quarterbacks, then it doesn't matter about the early season schedule. But, for example, Daniel Jones, Jimmy G, they're kind of being drafted in the same range. You have to draft Garoppolo over Daniel Jones if you're uh, going to be planning on starting him and you can uh, go to the waiver wire later. The 49ers in the first three games, they play the Cardinals, the Jets, and the Giants. And then on the flip side for Daniel Jones, they play the Steelers, Bears, and 49ers. And Josh, I hear your point about not knowing which defenses are going to be good. But like at, at the tails, we kind of have a good idea. Like I can, I'm pretty sure the Jets' defense is going to be horrible. I'm pretty sure the Steelers' defense is going to be good. So you want to play it a little bit, but I wouldn't like completely be drafting. I don't know, like a, your fifth, your fifth wide receiver, just because he has an early season schedule that's that opens up for him. Right, you're not even going to be able to play that receiver in your in your lineup. So yeah, I mean, it comes down to uh, yeah, like you said, the onesie positions, quarterback, tight end, uh, defense, and of course, kicker. Don't forget kicker, uh, <laughs> where where you know the, these these positions are, are very replaceable, and and so once you're done with that early season schedule say say a quarterback has a nice first two or three games and then his schedule toughens up oh you're you know you're done you drop him you get somebody else uh i i don't really care too much when you know i'm looking at running backs and and wide receivers that i don't i don't fret about about their schedules because uh if you i think if you factor that into your running back and wide receiver selections i think maybe now, maybe you're definitely overthinking it. Let's move on to another topic we've discussed a lot this summer, Hayden. That is how offensive coordinators, how play callers react in neutral and negative game script situations. Uh, on the last episode, we talked about the Rams that when they are drastically behind on the scoreboard, they just abandon the run and they throw the football. Meanwhile, we've seen other head coaches, depending on their quarterback situation or the other talent on the roster or just like their innate belief in how football should be played, want to run a lot even when they're behind on the scoreboard. We're talking about you, Shoddy, up in Seattle. So, uh, Hayden, do you factor in this at all in your decision making when constructing a fantasy team? Um, this is definitely something that you can do it a little bit. I mean, just in general, you, you're, you're kind of taking a two-fold approach here. You have to look at uh, what the tendencies are. So, like, for example, uh, the, like you said with the Rams, the Rams are going to pass the ball more when they're trailing at a much higher rate than the rest of the league. So if we think the Rams are going to be worse this year, then you should be drafting these pass catchers because they're going to be passing the ball more. So I don't do this too much for uh, – for season long leagues when I'm like doing a draft, maybe there's like some, some tinkering I do, but during the season, like when I'm writing my fantasy forecast preview uh, column, this is megally important because you have, you'll know if a team's down or uh, uh, a 10 point underdog, you have to know how the team reacts when they're trailing. So this is more of a week to week thing more than a season long thing, but there are, there are a few things. And then, then the, the next step is not just that what the team's doing, but also what, a certain player is doing. So the, the classic mm. example is Josh Jacobs. When they were 
Uh, when the Raiders had a lead last year, he was getting like 35% of the Raiders touches when they were trailing that dropped down to like 22, 21%. So that gap is, is notable. And that's why when you're talking about uh, setting a, a DFS lineup, you want obviously with the Raiders projected to win, that's when you want to play Jacobs, not when they're projected to lose. Yeah. I mean, game script. Yeah. We, we can look at uh, the weekly Vegas lines and, and get a, some sort of understanding of, of what the likely uh, game script w- would be. And it, I think it, it comes into play, uh, you know, just getting back to onesie positions. If you have to really go deep at, at say tight end uh, on a, on a given week, say your, your regular tight end is, is hurt or on a bye week uh, then you attach, you know, you attach, that tight end or you you're hoping to get a tight end who's attached to an offense who will have to throw a lot. And, and if we know the tendencies of an offensive coordinator or a certain team uh, that when they're down, they will drop back to pass uh, early and often. Then, then I think that that gives you a a small, a small edge. Uh, Another, another way to do it is to look at teams with high uh, implied totals uh, for just for tight end purposes. And it's not just something that is one-to-one year over year. Like I'm looking at the Colts, right now who were 24th in pace and neutral situations, like almost last in the league in pass percent in neutral situations. Well, we don't know if Frank Reich did that because he had Jacoby Brissett at quarterback last year. And if he's going to do the exact same thing with Phillip Rivers this year, but you know, oftentimes a lot of the fantasy teams that we really enjoy, the ones that we want to invest in still like to throw the football in even situations and neutral situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, I, I agree with both of you that it's a week to week more than looking at it from the start of the season on. But I'm even looking at this now, Hayden. I mean, you sent us these charts. I didn't realize the Patriots were first in pace last year in neutral situations. They were like eighth in pass percentage in neutral situations. I mean, if Julian Edelman can stay healthy, if Nikhil Harry can learn how to separate Muhammad Sanu, even Cam Newton, all those guys look like values right now because of this. Yeah, there's personnel changes that we have to factor in. Like you said, with the Colts, that's the perfect example. I think the Colts are going to pass the ball more. They're going to have more confidence in Phillip Rivers more than they had with Jacoby Brissett. The other team that is completely flown under the radar is Washington. Last year, the coaching change is just so, so drastic. Uh, and if you're looking at neutral situation pace, Washington was 31st last year. Neutral situation pass rate, they were 30th. And then pass attempts, they were 28th. Bring in the Carolina offensive coordinator. Those same metrics, they were 5th fourth and second. So I think that Washington's going to pass the ball a lot, lot more. And that's why we had Terry McLaurin as our consensus must draft player this year. Yeah. Bill Callahan basically came in and his press conference said, yeah, you run the ball to win games. So that is not surprising at all. Hayden Winks to see how and, uh, did Washington win games. Like I can't, I can't remember. <laughs> no, but did somehow not. Adrian Peterson still looked like he was 27 years old. All right, let's close it out with this talking about running backs, running back insurance. So often, Starting back on this conversation, investing early in backs, people get afraid that, oh, what happens if I select Alvin Kamara and he goes down in week two? I'm screwed. My season is over. Does that mean I need to draft Latavius Murray in round seven? The same thing can be said for Derrick Henry and who the heck is his running back insurance? Denny, what's your view on selecting the primary backup to some of these top running backs out there just for, again, that comfort level and having them on your bench. Right. Just generally I'm, I'm against it. Uh, but I'm particularly against it when you're talking about having to handcuff a first round running back with, with an eighth round running back or a ninth round running back. What, what, what you're doing basically is you're undercutting your roster's upside. 
um, you know, where you could take, you know, a wide receiver or another team's running back with that eighth or ninth round pick, you're taking instead Latavius Murray because, again, like you said, Josh, you're afraid of a, of a Kamara injury. Uh, just philosophically, uh, you, you know, a, fear, a fear-based approach to creating a fantasy football team is not the best. And, um, uh, but, you know, beyond that, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. If you want a team that will score a lot of fantasy points, and that's what we're trying to do, uh, then, hand, then using that much draft capital on one backfield uh, is a problem. I, I, I don't hate the idea of, of handcuffing a first-round running back if his, his hand, or I'm sorry, the, uh, the insurance is available in the 10th, 11th, you know, 15th round. I think if the, hand, if the running back insurance is available, then I think that it's, it's okay. Uh, but generally, you want to get other people's running back hmm. uh, insurance. Yeah, just just to get through this therapy, we're all scared. If your first round running back gets hurt, you are not winning your league. Like, just <laughs> just just understand that. Like, don't be scared of it. It's just the reality of the situation. And I agree with Denny. You want to be drafting other insurance backs because if your two running backs stay healthy, and all of a sudden you get the an injury to another running back, and then you have his backup already, now you have three really strong running backs. So. Um, that's the approach I want. And of course the, the bigger uh, fields of if you're in these huge best ball tournaments, you definitely do not want to be um, drafting your backups uh, to your own running backs, just because the upside you're limiting your upside. But yeah. The other debate with this, this whole thing is do you draft a pure insurance type? I'm talking about chase Edmonds, or do you draft somebody that might have some standalone value, but not as much of a ceiling. So the classic example this year would be like carry on Johnson for me personally. I think that there's a higher chance that carry on Johnson uh, outscores chase Edmonds this year, but there's a way higher chance that you're actually winning your league because you have chase Edmonds on your roster compared to carry on Johnson. So when you're talking about like the ninth to like 13th, 14th round in drafts, these are the decisions you're making. And I found myself finding the chase Edmonds, maybe a Darrington Evans way, way, way later in the draft rather than somebody that might get, might average eight fantasy points. And I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Hayden, but mainly you're talking about best ball with that, right? Like if it was a season long format, I don't think you would necessarily hang on supposedly to Darrington Evans for 16 weeks with him at doing absolutely nothing on your bench. Like that's what it is for me. Like I never want anyone on my bench that is going to put up goose eggs every single week. I would much rather have someone that has some ceiling is a weird term here because if there is an injury for Darren or for Derek Henry, then maybe his backup gets it. But also, we've tried to predict backups in the past, and it has just completely flopped and failed on us. Like either a team comes in that week and just plucks like Devontae Freeman off the street, and he'll come in and get 23 carries, and that guy we've been hanging on to just is an absolute zero once again for you. It it factors in someone who is unproven and is not talented enough to think like, oh, yeah, the coaches absolutely believe in him. Like the example I keep going back to, I don't know why people – are so sure that like Reggie Bonifon is the running back insurance to Christian McCaffrey. I'll tell you, if Christian McCaffrey gets hurt, one, the Panthers are going to absolutely stink. And two, it could be Mike Davis. It could be some veteran that they just get off the street, CJ Anderson once again, and 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 he's a starter. And like the same thing for Boston Scott and Miles Sanders, so on and so forth. Like I, I just don't know if I have the confidence unless the names are Latavius Murray, Alexander Madison, Tony Pollard and Chase Edmonds. Like those are the four I really like. And other than that, really unsure about the rest. I agree. The, yeah. 
to Chase Edmonds is, is the one. It, here's my another general rule. If you didn't draft Chase Edmonds in your fantasy league, that means you aren't the smartest person in your fantasy league. So just draft Chase Edmonds and log off. It's the anti-Leonard Fournette. Exactly. <laughs> okay. I think that that is going to cover it. A handful of tips for all of you out there to hopefully win your fantasy draft. Again, we are not saying to follow each and every one of these. Hopefully we outline them appropriately for all of you to consider and implement in some of your fantasy drafts this year. We also want to help you win. That's the point of this. And the best way to go and do that is to go over to rotoworld.com slash edge for our premium products. And we have projections for every single type of scoring. If your league has weird scoring, you can enter the point values in there and it'll spit out rankings and projections just for your league. We have positional tiers. We have all different types of mocks, a cheat sheet you can print out, even our magazine that you can print out and take with you. The best way to do that, once again, rotoworld.com slash edge to get $10 off the annual subscription, which is just $4 a month, enter promo code FBPOD10. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.